Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. In this podcast, I want to address something that has really become of concern to me in the recent presidential election. I spend a lot of time with the young. I spend a lot of time on college campuses. I spend a lot of time fielding questions about politics and certainly the recent election. And I have come to understand that many people, especially non-church people, especially, like I say, the young, the millennials, have come to the conclusion that the church is essentially the Republican Party at prayer. (laughs) (laughs) What I mean by that is that when they look at prominent Christians in this country, they see them currying favor with the Republican Party, regardless of that party's morality, regardless of that party's stand on any given issue, regardless of the morality or immorality of the the frontrunner of that party. And so there's been some damage done in this recent election to what might be called a distinctly Christian view of government or of the state. Now, I'm not in the next 10 minutes going to give you an entire uh, systematic overview of a Christian view of governing, but I do want to establish some things that maybe will be a corrective to what we've seen in this recent election. Unfortunately, many people are getting their understanding of who Christians are, what scripture might say about public policy issues, what the church ought to be about in America from what's happened in this recent election. And I want to say, first of all, that, of course, that's not true. And second of all, please notice how diverse the responses were, for example, to the Republican Party platform or to Donald Trump himself. Many diverse responses. Some people wouldn't even attend the convention, wouldn't endorse Donald Trump, some of the most prominent Christian leaders in the country. Others did endorse him, endorsed him early, were even often offered cabinet posts. You understand that there's a far, to put it frankly, um, conservative Christianity in this country is a far bigger tent than most people would give credit for. However, let's just take a little stroll through some of the foundations of what would be a Christian view of governing, a Christian view of government in the state. This obviously will not be systematic, but let me just lay out a few principles here so that we write ourselves a bit and not conclude that what we've seen is what is eternal that what has been presented in this election is necessarily the way it was commanded, the way it was taught, the, the best of our faith. In a Christian state, in a, in a, let's not talk that way. That's my mistake. In, in a Christian view of government and the state, that's the best way for us to say it, there obviously would be an understanding that we owe our rights and our liberties, our very existence to God. So there would be a freedom to acknowledge God. There would be a recognition of God uh, in, in the broadest sense. Obviously, in a, in, a, in a democratic and diverse society, you would be dealing with uh, different understandings of God uh, or even a perspective that there's no God at all, atheism. But nevertheless, in the society, in a society from a Christian perspective, the ideal would be that people are free to believe in a God, to acknowledge his presence, to acknowledge his grace, to acknowledge his providence, and to recognize him. Now, a Christian view of governing and the state does not produce a theocracy in the sense that the society is run by a bunch of priests who go into the quote-unquote holy of holies and hear a revelation from God and then pronounce his will in, in, in the society. That is, that is not the Christian view of government. We are not talking about a theocracy. We are not talking about rule by clergy. That's not the way it works. 
uh, after in the ideal Christian society you acknowledge a God, then second of all, you have law. It's very important for us to understand that this Western concept of the rule of law, as opposed to the exclusive rule of monarchs or the exclusive rule of dictators or the exclusive rule of party or the exclusive rule of the military, is very much a Christian idea. You have law. God gives laws. Uh, in a Christian understanding, he gives them in scripture. Those laws have to then be molded and adopted to apply to modern societies, but there is law. And those laws lead us to covenants. They lead us to agreements between the governed uh, and those who govern. This is obviously very close to American history. That's what our constitution is. That's even a little bit what the Declaration of Independence is. We have a long history of constitutions, of governments. In fact, the very word federal, uh, coming from the Latin term fedora, Uh, means covenanted government. It actually literally means from Latin, the covenanted government. So the very idea of a federal government in our history comes from the Latin idea of a covenant, which again is a Christian idea. So you absolutely have the rule of law. Law is above man. Law is above party. Law is above military. Law is above any region or state or district. Law prevails. The rule of law. And those laws, yes, are based on God's laws, but they're also based on the wisdom of the people as they attempt to apply truth and understand truth for the ruling of society. A very close second uh, or a very close extension of the rule of law is the idea of property. Uh, Private property is protected. Individuals have a right to own things. They have a right to property. And uh, property is not simply owned by a monarch or by the state. Those are other competing versions of uh, governing to to a Christian view. The Christian view is not communist. Uh, It's not all the people own the property together, which means basically the state owns it. It's not even extreme socialist. Um, The Christian view would be private property can be owned by individuals. It's protected by the state. And close to this, as a protector of this, there must be economic justice. The Bible speaks often of just weights and scales. This is almost a symbolic way of saying uh, that we're not going to see people ripped ripped off Uh, in our economic dealings, that there will be just weights and scales that all will have opportunity to trade and to achieve in the economic system. There's not going to be theft by banking. There's not going to be uh, theft through unjust uh, systems of economic dealings. The state is not going to uh, license out certain parts of economic life uh, to private entities that then abuse people. This was, in fact, if you read the New Testament, um, the tax collectors were amongst the most hated of all people in the society. And part of it was that they had a license from the Romans to tax their own people and to do so unjustly. That kind of thing would not be allowed um, in a Christian view. So you do have economic justice. Now, economic justice in a Christian view does not mean that you're guaranteeing someone's success, does not mean that you're guaranteeing them a certain income. But there is a level playing field. There's the rule of law. There's private property. There's not any economic system that's preloaded against any people of a certain color, certain nationality, certain ethnicity, certain geography. Everybody has the freedom to succeed. Okay. Now, economic justice also means uh, that the state does have a role in what you might call, what I like to call, welfare with character. 
Um, there is a, a strong emphasis in the Christian faith on taking care of the poor, of helping them break out of the poverty cycle, of helping them become people of productivity and character. So there are times when people need help. There are times when people need a hand. There are times when uh, welfare, as we define it, uh, is necessary. In other words, giving the state, giving uh, a certain group of people uh, help and aid and support. That should always be short term. That should always be remedial. It should always be for the sake of uh, fixing something that's a temporary condition. Um, uh, character should be expected. Morality should be expected. In other words, you're not going to fund a guy to be a, a drunk his whole life. You're not going to fund somebody um, to be immoral their whole life. Uh, you're not going to fund somebody to be on drugs their whole life. You're going to get them off of those drugs uh, or the aid eventually is going to stop. And it also means, of course, uh, that there have to be education programs and training um, to help that person get back uh, to what they to what they can be, what they have the opportunity to be. But there is a legitimate role in the state uh, for the state to provide some degree of welfare on the scale we have today. No, uh, we have economic policies and, and uh, welfare policies that are creating poverty. And scripture speaks very uh, clearly against that. If a man won't work, he shouldn't eat, we're told. Um, welfare should not be gamed. Welfare should not become a license to produce as many children as possible. Welfare should not be encouraging divorce. Welfare should not be encouraging immoral lifestyles and uh, life-dominating kinds of addictions and what have you that lead to further poverty. Welfare should be character-oriented, no question about it. One of the things that Christians ought to be about very much, based on teachings of Scripture, is um, racial justice. Um, in Scripture, uh, race is something that is celebrated it's something the diversity is celebrated. God actually enthrones himself. We're told in the book of Revelation amongst tri the tribes and nations and different ethnicities and different languages. He, he likes that. He celebrates it. The first missionary sending church had an eldership, according to Acts 13, that uh, was widely diverse with people who were of different skin colors. One man was black. Other people were brown. Some people were from what would eventually be Europe. Uh, very, very diverse. Very, very diverse. Um, so race is not a basis for enslaving someone. It's not a basis for hating someone. It's not a basis for denying someone rights. Um, to be quite frank, a Christian should not have to be told that black lives matter because a Christian should already believe that and brown lives and yellow lives and red lives and all other lives. So Christians ought to be the people of the most racial justice in, in, in the world, frankly, um, because they understand that these different ethnicities were created by God and are to be celebrated. So no racism, no race-based slavery, nothing of that should occur in an ideal Christian state. Um, Education also, of course, would be very uh, emphasized, and the reason is that in a Christian state, in a Christian view of politics and governing, the next generation is very much the focus of the current generation. Uh, we're, we're never to be about just this generation to the detriment of the next generation, whether we're talking about poor education or we're talking about debt. We're not trying to pass curses and trouble and tumult onto the next generation. What we're attempting to do is to constantly improve life so the next generation receives a great legacy from the previous generation. So we want good schools. We always want those schools to be conducted and an understanding that they operate in loco parentis. That's the Latin phrase for in the stead of the parents or with authority from the parents in loco parentis. Um, the idea is, of course, that the schools are functioning under parental authority and as an extension of the family, not in competition with the family. This means, of course, there can be private schools, there can be state-run schools, there can be home schools, there can be tutorials. We would be better served with a much more diverse religious system, uh, I'm sorry, education system than we have now. Now, the state does have 
have the authority, I believe, and I think in a Christian view it certainly does, to make sure that there are certain minimum performances for these schools. In other words, we don't want someone homeschooled who suddenly is turned out on the society at the age of 18 uh, as a complete uneducated person because the homeschool was a, a fiction. It was an excuse for watching television. The state does have the right to test. The state does have the authority to make sure that schools are performing at a minimal level. That's valid. We should welcome that. Uh, We're not looking for education to be an excuse uh, for uh, ignorance or for laziness or for a sham school. Not at all. So education is emphasized. Education is prized. Learning is emphasized. Learning is prized. The schools are, uh, there's a very diverse educational system with an overarching assurance of standards. And I think that's, that's extremely important. Uh, the, the state also, by the way, is not the same thing as the church or the religious entity. There is, to put it in the words of the Reformation, uh, church and state or the religious institutions and state are like in faith, but separate in function. In an ideal Christian society, in a Christian view of governing, you do want to encourage religion. You do want to encourage the institutions of religion. In fact, to be consistently biblical, you wouldn't tax them because uh, religious institutions are not taxed. Uh, and that's even mentioned in scripture. Uh, but you don't also, we're not, again, we're not looking at a society run by priests. The religious institutions have their function. And then there are those who the King James Bible, the old version called civil magistrates, uh, other more modern versions called governing authorities, but they absolutely have the responsibility for running the society. They're called by God. They are equipped and give, gifted for it. Uh, they are the people the society would choose. And by the way, I should say also, that in a Christian view of governing, you would not have a pure democracy. Uh, not only were the American founding fathers, but throughout, throughout Christian history, there would be a certain amount of suspicion of pure democracy. You do want some checking in with the people. You do want the people's uh, will heard. But uh, this, much of what we think of as democracy comes out of the Renaissance uh, Renaissance kind of thinking, the Enlightenment kind of thinking, which is vox populi, vox dei, the voice of the people is the voice of God. That obviously would not do in a Christian worldview. Um, so you do see in Scripture uh, a leaning to the will of the people, giving the opportunity for the people to voice their views and their preferences and for them to be consulted. But you also see a situation in which uh, you have a leadership class I shouldn't say leadership class, but you have leaders who are appointed, people who are qualified, people who are not elite, but people who are exceptional by virtue of their qualifications to lead. Uh, and you you lean in that direction. And, and the shorter way of saying this, the scholarly way of saying this, is that a Christian uh, view of governing and politics produces a republic, republic, not a pure democracy. A republic considers the will of the people, uh, but also has wiser heads who are not simply demagogues, not simply doing the will of the masses for the good of the masses. Our founding fathers said very wisely, once the people realize they can vote themselves profit, they can vote themselves good, that's when you head into a destruction. So I think the American founding fathers in the pure form were attempting to balance all of these interests between uh, leaders who are gifted and qualified in a republic and, 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 and a democracy. Founding fathers actually feared the word democracy. So this is where uh, I think a Christian view leads us. Now, that certainly is not everything that needs to be considered, but it certainly are some of the basics. And I, I think when we look back at this recent presidential election, we ought to consider that the, the wisdom that aligns with a Christian view of governing was not just in the Republican Party. 
uh, Bernie Sanders was saying some things that Jesus would have said. Uh, that's a strident statement, but he absolutely was. Uh, he was calling for economic justice. He was calling for prison reform. I mean, I haven't mentioned prisons because it's not maybe the frontline issue, but you know we have millions of people in prisons in America, uh, most of them for relatively minor offenses. Uh, prisons were not even taught as a form of uh, punishment in Scripture. You had jails for temporary holding of people while they awaited trial. But once they were tried, they were either put to death for the most serious crimes uh, or they were given a chance for restitution. And think of what think what would happen if the millions, if not billions of dollars that had been lost from our society through crime was restored by people who were having to actually uh, make restitution for their crimes. We would we would change the economy of this country. So Bernie Sanders, whatever his specific solutions, and I'm sure they aren't what I just described, uh, was nevertheless calling for a reform of prisons. He was calling for a recognition of a uh, of immorality on Wall Street. He was calling for a recognition of a need for economic reform. Some of it, certainly not all of it, and I was personally offended by some of what he said uh, because he's accusing people who make the kind of income I make of, of being the problem in America. And believe me, I don't, I don't believe I am at all. But I think some of what he was saying were, were the kinds of things that a, that a consistently biblical view of government and society would lead us to say. Hillary Clinton was saying some of the same things. There were a few things. I'm not saying the majority, but there were some things she was saying that, that needed to be said. And of course, if Donald Trump is consistent with the core principles he was espousing during the campaign, there are uh, some things that he was saying that are very much consistent with a Christian view at all. also. What, where I want to conclude this is the following. The church in America uh, is not and ought not be the Republican Party at prayer. Uh, the church in America should, is not and ought not be the Democratic Party at prayer. Uh, the church in America ought to be speaking truth. It ought to maintain enough prophetic distance to speak truth to all in authority uh, from the will of God and not just to engage in party politics. I have said before on this podcast that I think a Christian view of government, a Christian view of our society lands a person just slightly right of center, not extreme right, not extreme left, not middle of the road center out of cowardice, but just slightly right of center uh, on, on the issues. And I think it's time for those who name the name of Jesus and forgive me, my friends who are Muslim and who are Jewish and who are atheists who listen to this podcast. This is another one of those times that I've told you was coming when I will speak to Christians exclusively and you'll just have to listen and I appreciate you hanging in with us. But uh, I think it's time for Christians who want to be active in our society to not just wed themselves exclusively to one party or the other. It's perfectly fine to have a party membership, be part of the party, but when you speak, when you contend, when you lobby, uh, when you call for change, do so on the basis of the wisdom of a Christian view and not just on the narrowness of party factionalism and self-interest. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. His new book is Ask the Question, Why We Must Demand Religious Clarity from Our Presidential Candidates, available on Amazon. Learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is directed by Isaac Darnold, who also wrote, produced, and performed the podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.